Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Sports Travel Podcast, where we interview leaders in the sports event industry. This is Jason Gewertz, editor and publisher of Sports Travel, and our guest today is Dale Murphy, the legendary Major League Baseball player who won two National League Most Valuable Player Awards, five gold gloves, and appeared in seven All-Star games during a career largely spent with the Atlanta Braves, but that also included stops with the Philadelphia Phillies and the Colorado Rockies. Today, he is Executive Vice President of Sports for LiveView Technologies, which provides portable security cameras that add to an event's or venue's security plans. We'll be talking baseball, of course, as well as his new role in the sports event industry, and I can't tell you how excited I am to have the chance to talk to someone who I enjoyed watching play when I was growing up. But before we begin, this episode of the Sports Travel Podcast is being sponsored by the Teams Conference and Expo, the world's largest gathering of sports event organizers and the destinations and suppliers that serve the sports event industry. Teams 21 will be held at the Atlantic City Convention Center in Atlantic City, New Jersey, September 27th through the 30th, 2019. 2021. This year's conference will once again feature the co-location of the U.S. Olympic and Paralympic SportsLink program and NGB Best Practices Seminar, as well as the annual symposium of the National Congress of State Games. For more details on everything we have planned at Teams this year, please visit teamsconference.com. And now, on to the conversation. Dale Murphy's accomplishments on the field speak for themselves. He was drafted by the Atlanta Braves in the first round of the 1974 draft and worked his way through the minors before joining the Braves in 1976. He began his career as a catcher and spent a short time at first base before settling in the outfield, where he would eventually earn five gold gloves for his defensive efforts. But it was at the plate where Murphy shined as well, eventually hitting 398 home runs on his way to consecutive MVP awards in 1982 and 1983, the youngest player in history to win back-to-back MVP awards. In addition to his seven All-Star appearances, he also earned four Silver Slugger awards, and his number three was only the fifth number in Braves history to be retired, joining other legends such as Hank Aaron, Eddie Matthews, Warren Spahn, and Phil Necro. After his playing career finished in 1993, Murphy is kept busy. He's a sought-after speaker at conferences and events, and he also owns Murph's Restaurant near the Braves' new stadium, Truist Park, in Cobb County. But earlier this year, Murphy was named Executive Vice President of Sports for Utah-based LiveView Technologies. Uh, LiveView's product, which has been in place for years at businesses such as grocery stores and retail outlets, is now extending to the sports world as well. Uh, the company offers portable, solar-powered security cameras that are all cloud-based, meaning no wiring or permanent cameras are required for events that are interested in having an extra level of security or even just to get an eye on things such as traffic flow, which is what at least one professional sports franchise is doing with the product. In this conversation, we talk with Dale about his playing career, the state of baseball and ways to draw younger fans to the game, and his post-career work that now extends into the sports event industry. We hope you enjoy the conversation. Dale Murphy, welcome to the Sports Travel Podcast. Thank you, Jason. Good to be with you. It is so great to have you. Uh, I can't tell you how excited I am about this conversation. I think the 12-year-old version of me would have like no comprehension of the fact that I'm having a conversation with Dale Murphy. And I have to say that the adult oh. version of me also is kind of like just as excited <laughs> to be talking. Oh, about you're kind. Thank you. You know, thank you. I was a I was a huge fan of uh, a big baseball fan growing up. Very big fan of yours, even though you know I didn't grow up anywhere near Atlanta. 
Where'd you grow up? New York City and, and Long Island. So as you can imagine, my loyalties were to a different National League East team than, than the Braves. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I was a Mets fan growing up. But uh, more importantly than that, Dale, we've had some uh, incredible guests on this podcast to talk about the sports event industry. But so far to date, you are the first guest we've ever had whose signature was in my baseball glove growing up. Oh, no <laughs> way. No way. I had a, wow. I had a deal. That's, that's a... Yeah, I had a Dale Murphy Rawlings glove that was uh, was just the best. <laughs> you know, it's interesting. A lot, a lot of times they it, that was a good glove. I I can't tell you how many people will say I had that glove and the pocket was great. And I thought Rawlings really did a good job with that. I can't. So, did you watch on TBS or how how did you become a a Murph fan. I did. It, to my parents' credit, they were kind of early adopters of cable television. Yeah. And so, yeah. exactly, you know, and you must get this a lot, but we had we had TBS growing up. So whenever the Mets or the Yankees weren't on for me, you know, I'd switch over to TBS and see who the Braves were playing. Yeah. So, That's you know, great. I got... I got to see you play quite a bit growing up in a way that, you know, in that era, you really didn't have access to for, for a lot of teams, really, other than the Braves, you know, at a, at a national level. Absolutely. So you're what I call a TBS kid. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I, I, I think you That's could uh, in, include me into that. It was always it Thank was always you. this kind of bizarro land, too, because, you know, when you were playing the Mets, I'd have the Mets broadcast, and every once in a while yeah, I'd switch yeah. over the TBS, and it was like, <laughs> what is this bizarro world where people are rooting for the other team, you know? <laughs> oh, that is, that's great. Thank you so much. That must have been interesting. I mean, uh, you know, I, I obviously had your, you know, your signature in my glove. Did you have input on those kinds of things, Dale, or was it just a, uh, a deal? No. Yeah, not a lot. No, they just said, hey, we want to put out a glove. And and I used Rawlings and, you know, I got uh, some kind of royalties from them. And, and that was about it. But I, I really, uh, like I said, some of, sometimes, you know, it depends on the price point, but sometimes the gloves, you know, are not a, a high quality. But that that did seem to be a, a really good glove. I've, I've had a, I don't have any of those originals with me, but uh, I've had people bring them up to me and I put them on my hand. You know, I'm like, man, Rawlings did a pretty good job with this one. So I was proud of that. Yeah, I have one sitting about 10 feet from where we're recording this. I went and, uh, no way. <laughs> I went and found it. What's interesting is you know, when I went off to college, my younger brother, Eric, who was a great guy, but he uh, he kind of took ownership of the glove and, and for years claimed it was his. And this is, uh, while we don't have very many disputes in our lives, uh, the Dale Murphy glove is, is one that, that still is under contention. But I'm, I'm here to say while I'm talking to the real Dale Murphy that uh, I purchased it, uh, I think I had the option of a Cal Ripken and even a Reggie Jackson, something of the like. But uh, I admired the way that, that you played. I mean, you uh, obviously your Thank stats you. uh, speak for themselves and and your accomplishments you know, with the Braves and with the Phillies and and for a, a brief time uh, with the Rockies where I live here in Denver. They speak for themselves. You were, you were a great player and I think you must get this a lot as well. Just admired uh, for the way you played the game. I really appreciate that, Jason. Thank you so much. I, uh, you know, I'm, I'm really fortunate, man, just the older I get, the just the more I shake my head to realize what I was able to do and a lot of people helped me, and I'm thankful for the Braves giving me a shot. And it was kind of a interesting career getting drafted as a catcher and ending up in the outfield. But Bobby Cox saved my career, got me a new position, and you know we're just really blessed. Nancy and I look back and kind of shake our heads. Now I, I won't deny that we don't occasionally look at contracts now and wish we were playing now. But <laughs> yeah, no doubt, no doubt. <laughs> But it we're is. thankful for the, the days we played. You know, every generation says the same thing. Man, I wish I was playing now. 
I mean, I, I made more money than Hank Aaron, so I can't complain. That's true. Yeah, it's hard to uh, comprehend a, a time where Mike <laughs> Trout will look, you know, longingly you know, for someone in the future and, and think, I wish I had played later. Yeah, yeah, I, that'll be an interesting question to see if this generation says the same thing. <laughs> yeah, no, no doubt they will, you know, the way those things work. Well, let's talk baseball for a bit, Dale, because there's been, of course, a lot of discussion about the future of the sport. I worry about it as well. I mean, I, I was a big fan growing up, still am. You know, I've got an 11-year-old son who... I would say is sort of indifferent to baseball, you know, as excited as I am uh, on yeah. it. In fact, talking about Mike Trout, we were just the other night, you know, ESPN Sunday night game was a, was a good one. It was the White Sox at the Angels. And I was watching with my son and uh, Mike Trout was coming up and I, I asked him, I said, do you know who this guy is? And couldn't recognize him. And I said, that's, that's Mike Trout. Do you recognize that name? And he wasn't even aware, uh, you know, of his name. And he's a, modest sports fan with me, maybe not as excited as I was, but things like that, Dale, I, I worry about it, you know, with baseball as I watch my own son grow up. Right. I, I try to get right. him as excited as I am. I mean, he knows who Patrick Mahomes is, uh, you know, in football, he knows who right. LeBron James right. is, but on the baseball side, it's it's just not there. Yeah, that's a great uh, way to put it is that he knows who Patrick Mahomes is and LeBron. Somehow we got to get Mike Trout into that conversation. I was talking to some of my high school teammates and, you know, they don't, they're sports fans, but they don't follow baseball like I do. I mean, every day I see how the Braves are doing and, yeah. you know, I'm doing all that stuff. But one of them didn't know who Mike Trout played for. Hmm. And now he'd heard of him, of course, but he goes, now, is he? And so, you know, he's trying to remember who he played for. So I'm like, that. everybody should know one player in this country. <laughs> everybody <laughs> in the country, everybody in the country should know one player. If that's one player, it could be Mike Trout. It could be. You should pick five players, maybe, you know, and uh, th these guys are so good and the game, these are such great athletes. So, so what's the problem? Probably some marketing, mm -hmm. uh, probably the nature of the sport, uh, 162 games, a long season, the nature of the sport as well, kind of slow uh, sometimes. But the, the good side is that baseball is popular to watch. Now you may say, well, wait a minute, Dale. Are you sure about that? Because the ratings in the World Series. Well, baseball is still a regional game. Uh, the Angels don't translate into the New York area. Yeah. Um, it, it is, but the ratings are off the charts in, in Anaheim. Ratings are off the charts for the Braves in the Southeast. So it's a regional game. The other evidence I have that baseball is popular to watch still is that prior to last year, in 2019, Baseball attendance had gone down four years in a row. MLB, right in the in minor league baseball, it had gone up four years in a row. And also, I point to the collegiate summer leagues, mm -hmm. who are doing great business, who are you know getting three to five thousand fans or more at their stadiums. College baseball has some popularity. Baseball's got a few things that going on. The price of the ticket, yeah, is a concern. The length of the game is a concern. I don't like this extra inning rule where they put a guy on second. When you were a kid and you went to a Mets game, what happened to you when it you, you found out the game was going into extra innings? Yeah, usually my folks would want to leave early to beat the rush, and I'd be like, I want to stay and how, however like, long it goes. <laughs> it was the most exciting thing ever, Yeah, wasn't it? Absolutely. I mean, you wanted the Mets to win, but you didn't really care. You were like extra innings. What's this? Oh yeah, no, I sat through some seventeen, eighteen inning games at Chase Stadium and loved it. Most memorable thing in the world. But we're we're trying to cut out the extra innings with the runner on second. What we got to do is shorten the regular 
nine inning games. Mm-hmm. And I think if we got real aggressive, we could do it. There's a lot of time wasted. I don't care what you say. We got to enforce quicker pitching. But now we have some other inherent problems is we have more strikeouts. We have deeper counts. Uh, when I played, I'm not saying we were better because these guys are much better athletes. There's a yeah. couple things we do. Be- we did better, I think. But that's a long discussion. My point is we were taught to be aggressive, go after a pitch you see and you like it. But unfortunately, data will tell you that the deeper you go into account, the better chance you have of getting a hit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Data also shows that bunts, a, bunt, a sacrifice bunt is not worth giving up the out. Mm-hmm. And so, so we have a lot of things. Stolen bases are devalued now. Hit and runs don't happen. So I, I'll say this. The analytics could be right, but it's created a game that's not as exciting. I really believe that. Yeah. And it's a little slower. So it's we don't need to convert a fan like you. We need to convert young people and casual fans. And there's probably some ways we could we could do better. Yeah, let me ask you one thing. Since you played your whole career in the National League, we saw some experimenting last year, the designated hitter. And you know, there's been some indication that maybe after this year, that just may be a thing. What's your thought on, on that after spending your career watching your fellow pitchers attempt to hit? Well, I think it's time. I think it's well past time to, and I'm shocked that it didn't happen this year since mm-hmm. we had it last year. I'm not a fan of the DH, but I think there is one part of the strategy that comes from letting your pitcher hit and deciding whether to pinch hit for him and take him out, you know, but, but pitchers aren't going that long anymore. They don't hit in the minor leagues. They're not ready to hit when they get to the major leagues. Mm -hmm. So I'm in favor of the DH being incorporated into the national league. It's just time. There's no question it's time. We were uh, talking about Mike Trout, obviously, before, but who are, who are some players, Dale, that you enjoy watching play today? Well, I love Mike Trout. I love Freddie Freeman. Of course, I concentrate on the Braves, sure. but uh, Ron, Ronald Acuna Jr. Is, has got, obviously, five tools or six tools, however many he has. <laughs> Incredible talent. And I've just drawn a blank, but your shortstop with the Mets, it's Lindor, right? Yeah, um, yeah Francisco Lindor. I, yeah, I mean, some of these shortstops and second basemen are are doing incredible athletes. They really are. I mean, some of these middle infielders and uh, are are just incredible. And well, another shortstop, Tatis. Um, yeah, in San Diego. Th- th- these guys, these guys are just incredible players, incredible hitters, incredible athletes. And those are some of the guys that come to mind. Yeah. Now, I know you make it back to Atlanta fairly often. You've got a restaurant near the uh, ballpark. Let's talk about the ballpark there. Truist Park is a slightly different animal, I imagine, than Fulton County Stadium from when you were playing. Just, <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Just a little. Uh, yeah, you go into the locker room there and you're like, what? But, uh, you know, again, it's a generational thing. These guys play in some incredible ballparks, but Truist Park is Fair Hitters Park. I thought Turner Field was a little bit uh, favorable to pitchers, but mm-hmm. I didn't play there. Of course, I played in Fort County Stadium, which was favorable to hitters. Right. So uh, I like Truist Park, no question about it. Honestly, when the Braves moved there, i i would have I would have wished for a ballpark downtown. I love downtown ballparks. It's you know, if you haven't been to Truist Park, people, you got to go there. It's incredible. The engineering of they've all they've created a little downtown, right? And it's an incredible experience. The battery, 
which is the mixed use development right attaches to itself and attached, I mean, attached to the ballpark. They got a hotel, you know, out in right field and Comcast has got a, you know, 15 story building out in right field. I mean, it's an incredible, what they've done was incredible. I, I do wish that it was in downtown Atlanta. Just, I like, you know, I think they could have done something, but something really incredible there, but there was a lot of, you know, city money issues and all that kind of stuff. Sure. And so the move to Cobb County caught a lot of people by surprise. But after they started building there, I just started thinking about a restaurant and uh, got to know some friends that had some experience. And we decided to take over an old pizza place uh, about a 10-minute walk from the, the ballpark and built Murph's burgers and wraps and wings. Mm-hmm. And I got memorabilia in it. So I'll bite anybody. You know, goes to Atlanta to see a game and stop by Merce. I'm really proud of what we've done. Chuck Douglas, our manager, has has done the work, but we've built a good product. We really have. Yeah, and you're back open, right? I know, like a lot of people in yes. the restaurant business, you you know, you had a tough year, um, yeah, like many others did. But but the season's started, and you're and you're back open. We are open on the Braves home opener. So yeah, we're very thankful to work with uh, the Cobb Galleria, who we rent from. They were super to work with during the pandemic, and we're excited and looking towards uh, the future. Probably what people are wondering is what I'm <laughs> thinking about the All-Star Game getting canceled. Yeah, I was going to uh, ask you about that, Dale. I mean, it's kind of hard not to to bring it up, but it's, uh, you know, as we're having sure. this conversation, we're a few days out from that decision. Obviously, a, a big loss for the Braves. Yeah, it's certainly a topic of sports travel, isn't it? <laughs> uh, for sure. Yeah, I mean the All Star Game, as we know, it's you know one of the marquee oh, yeah. special events no for Major League Baseball, and uh, every city would love to have it. Yes, it's uh, a lot of obviously money generated for uh, local businesses in the city and Major League Baseball, as everyone knows who f- follows politics and or MLB, uh, uh, pulled out because of the voting laws passed by the legislature in Georgia. So. You know, I, I first of all, I got to be well. First of all, I am in favor of everybody getting a chance to vote, a fair chance. I'm always skeptical about laws that restrict access. Mm-hmm. To talk in detail about the laws, uh, it wouldn't be right for me because I'm probably like a lot of people. If you read one headline, you're saying, "Well, is that true?" And you read another headline, and you say, "Is that true?" So, right. uh, I'd probably have to do my homework. I am skeptical just because of the circumstances of uh, Biden winning by just 12,000 votes by two senators, Democratic senators winning in the runoffs, very close election, then all of a sudden, a bunch of changes. Yeah. Now, the, am I in favor of boycotting Major League Baseball game? Uh, I mean, Major League All-Star game? Uh, I don't. <laughs> I've even seen both sides of this from people on the left, that boycotts are tricky. Mm-hmm. And... I was in favor of and thought, and I, again, I haven't dealt into I thought there would could be a compromise or at least something to satisfy MLB going there. But it seemed that it was real quick and it wasn't going to satisfy how they did it. And they left. And that's their decision. That's their right. Business and politics is intertwined. There's no getting around it. And, yeah, more and uh, more so, it seems. Absolutely. So it's unfortunate. I'll put it that way, uh, but you know it's happened. Yeah, you were in the seven All Star games. I'll tell you, the baseball All Star game. 
honestly is one of my favorite events on the calendar every year. Even just growing up, you know, just seeing all the uniforms, seeing you get to bat against the American League, it was just such a big deal. And I still think it, it holds up well. I mean, what was your experience in that event? Yeah, the All Star Game in baseball, it, it it's it obviously you know it's always an exhibition game, except that without interleague play, it, be, it became a point to prove that you were better than the American League. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, you know, uh, you'd never, except in spring training, you hadn't faced these guys. Uh, you know, some of them may have been in the, the National League, but it was a it was a pride deal where both sides took it real seriously and wanted to prove who was better because the only other game you had a chance to do that, the only other situation was the World Series. Sure. And so it was unique, but I think baseball still has the best all-star game because in the NBA and the NFL, in the and I imagine in hockey as well, and even soccer, playing defense in those sports is critical, except that they don't do it in the all-star. <laughs> right. They don't play defense. <laughs> uh, in baseball, you can't not want to play defense. <laughs> you know, does that make sense? Uh, it does. It would look pretty silly if, uh, if you it didn't It would try. look really weird if Francisco Lindor didn't go after a uh, try to make the best play he possibly could yeah. and throw a guy out at, or whatever. It It's so obvious that you're not trying that it, you can't, you just can't do it. Yeah, it doesn't it's work. a weird, it doesn't work. So guys play hard defense and it makes the game better, but it, it's a little weird now. Guys don't play too long and it's still, I still think it's the best all-star game. Yeah. Do you remember your first one? Was that kind of a out of body experience for you? Oh, yeah, in Dodger Stadium, 1980. Yeah, it was weird. Pete Rose was on the team, Concepcion, Steve Garvey, I mean, Johnny Bench, Ken Griffey Sr. won the MVP. I mean, it was, you know, J.R. Richard uh, and Nolan Ryan, I think, was with the the Astros then. Yeah, he was pretty good, too. Yeah, we had Richard and Nolan Ryan, and we had, I mean, it was fun, but it it was strange for sure. (laughs) We'll talk about a lot of baseball. Let's talk about your post-career, uh, if you will, because uh, you're one of those people who's, who's always kept busy. Obviously, you're, you're a family guy, but you've done very well in business as well. We talked about the restaurant, but uh, I know you've been doing uh, public speaking for, for a long time at events. Has that been a, a rewarding experience for you in your, in your post-baseball days? Yeah, I've enjoyed that. I still do it. In fact, I've partnered with a, a group called Global Leader Group which is just starting kind of an executive consulting and keynote, kind of a a group that does a lot of uh, employee coaching and teaching. And I'm going to be one of their keynote speakers. It's called Global Leader Group. But I enjoy speaking. I I feel like I have a different kind of message of how I got to the big leagues that relates to businesses, you know, to Mm -hmm. a certain extent, the same kind of, you know, things like resilience and, and just mindset and all the stuff that so I enjoy sharing my message. I really do. And and I've enjoyed the restaurant. It's a challenging business, but I appreciate the chance to talk about what I'm doing now with LiveView Technologies, uh, yeah. Jason, which, which is really as a result of the, the pandemic. So yeah, thank you. Yeah, let's let's talk about that, Dale. Obviously, our audience of uh, event organizers and destinations menus, I think, will be interested to hear more about this company. So LiveView Technologies, you're in the event security space. I think that's fair to say, right? Why don't you give sure. a description of what the product is that they offer? Yeah, exactly. So the, the, re- the reason why this opportunity came up is, you know, I wasn't traveling during COVID and and I'm friends with uh, one of the founders and his brother. And they've talked to me off and on, you know, last couple of years about coming with, I didn't really know 
exactly what they did. I knew there was something to do with security cameras, which is, you know, you kind of think of home security cameras and yeah. doorbells and, and uh, things like that. But this is Live View Technologies, which has a is really the, the leader in the space of portable solar-powered off-grid high-tech surveillance and uh, security cameras. So it's trailerable. It's it's movable. It's cloud based. It's basically that's it. That that is really attractive to a lot of industries. Right. So it's not it's not part of the like the physical infrastructure of a venue. You're not going in and wiring this stuff. Right. Onto exactly. The side of the building. Exactly. And I think that's why you you noticed it and the application mm-hmm. to sports travel and events. They've done well. You're you're in Colorado. You may may have heard of the Leadville 100, yes. which is a Absolutely. you know is a mountain bike race, 100 miles in the mountains. And they've set up cameras, again, remotely along the path, and they've helped them, whatever application the those who are running the the, uh, the race want yeah, to have. That, that's a pretty I serious mean, endurance race. For those not familiar with Leadville, it's the highest elevation city, I think, in the country, certainly in Colorado. It is way up in the mountains. And, in fact, one of our founders has done it before. So he was like, <laughs> hey, you know, so... Yeah, let, we've done Leadville. So, so what the application? It, it really it, it it's evolving. But just to give you an example, uh, again, uh, a remote parking lots, remote venues, races where you need some kind of eyes on capability that is not wired. Mm-hmm. That that's basically it. And the Chiefs use it for traffic flow. Uh, but that's interesting. A lot of yeah, yeah a lot of big box where we're with Kroger. They use them for parking lot security. Uh, Walmart, it's you can see them in parking lots. And so there's a lot of capability. What we believe is it should be very visible. So it's a trailer with a boom that goes up 20 feet and there's cameras up there. You can tell there are cameras, but we want them to be visible because our slogan is to defend, detect, and deter. And what we found is where you put these things, a lot of times behavior changes because people say, oh, there's a camera there. I don't know what that means, but I'm I'm going to take my bad behavior somewhere else. We can also have digital boundaries, so construction sites that have problems, especially with the price of lumber. Uh, mm-hmm. But all you can before a site is wired, you can have security there, and at night with thermal cameras, cameras and and regular optical cameras, you can have a digital boundary. And if someone walks into this boundary. You know, alarms go off. People are notified. You can actually talk down to these people through a speaker and say, hey, we've notified the police. Oh, that's cool. And, you know, kind of stuff like that. It also gives your patrons a sense of security, knowing that you're trying. Parking lots are are opportunities for bad behavior because parking lots are not guarded a lot. Yeah. You can't get a, a, a camera out there. There's just other applications, but we are always open. I'm here's another interesting application. I'm having a phone call next week, a Zoom call with the Phillies, the Eagles, and the 76ers, because they all play in the sports complex there mm-hmm. in in Philadelphia. And they could have remote security and surveillance kind of rotating with those organizations throughout the year. Uh, right. whether they want to help them with traffic flow. Or, or again, parking lot security, tailgate security, all that, you know, the, there are big parties and big things that yeah. are happening. Well, Most it, of the tour, uh, no, I was, I'm sorry, Jason, one, one terrible example of 
was the Los Angeles Dodgers and San Francisco Giants where a, a person was beaten. Yeah. Uh, you know, fans, you know, it's, it, it's an opportunity to record again and surveil. It, it, it augments security. That's, that's the main thing. And it's a, it's a great tool. Yeah. I would think the portable nature of it obviously makes it attractive. And you know, we've seen so much stuff in the past year, of course, focused on the medical side of the events industry as people are returning to stadiums. But you know, there's no question that security should be at the top of everybody's list. Uh, I don't think that has changed at all. And I don't think that's going to change uh, true, at all true. moving forward. I mean, I, I think most event organizers and uh, venue managers would, would say the security of their of their patrons is number one on their list. Absolutely. And, you know, people coming in from different countries, that's probably their first question. You know, what, what's going on here? Um, I'm going to have an interesting conversation with uh, movie studios who remotely shoot and have trailers out in the middle of nowhere, but this gives them a capability. Not only can you have security personnel out there, but you, you know, you can have 24 seven high tech cameras observing and providing security. So it's evolving. And the technology is getting better. We do indoor, you know, wired security. But again, our main product is this portable nature of uh, of being able to move it, which is police departments have used it, you know, where where demonstrations and stuff and things are popping up around. And so there's a lot of applications. And it's been fun for me. It's different. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> I, I, I've just never done anything like this. Uh, I'm making cold calls. <laughs> <laughs> or does it turn out? Are you a salesman at heart, Dale? <laughs> I don't know if I am, but uh, I'm trying. You know, my, I got two kids in sales, and you know, my dad was in sales uh, with Westinghouse Electric, and uh-huh. and uh, if you believe in the product, it's not it's not really that difficult. And we, the worst thing we could do is hard sell our product if we don't have a fit. If this doesn't fit within someone's budget or or use case. That's, we we don't even, you know, we just say, look, maybe in the future because, yeah. and that's a good product and a good culture to have. It doesn't help anyone to have a product that doesn't work. I'll just tell you one interesting example. Yeah. We had a Kroger executive come on our, our company call on, over Christmas break. He just said, I, you know, we're, they're, they're just really good partners, but uh, we had a, a store that got broken into and not, not a Kroger store, a different store that we were in the same shared parking lots. And the, the the loss prevention people came over to our people and said, hey, we got to tell you what the guy said when we asked him why he picked our store. <laughs> and he said, have you seen that? Have you seen that camera down there by Kroger? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He said, that's, that's why I went away from there. So I think we have a very interesting product in, in that security cameras typically are hidden. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't want people to see them, but uh, that philosophy is just outdated. You want the thing to be visible and you want people to say, oh, look at that. And it's not ugly by any means. Again, you can go to Live View Technologies and and see what it is. It's, yeah. it's a, I mean, to me, it looks kind of cool. And people say, oh, that's probably a camera up there watching everything we're doing. Right. You were saying that this is new for you. Is that... The notion of event security, was that anything that was even in the back of your mind during your playing days? I mean, as a, as a participant no. in these events? And, no, you know. no. I, you know, back then, we didn't, we didn't have any security measures. But remember, in the, you can look at some old tapes. Remember, people used to run on the field to celebrate. Yeah, course, uh, I'm thinking of a particular Braves moment in history that's sort of famous for uh, people running on the field with, uh, with Hank. Yes, Harris. with Hank. And so uh, security is, 
you know, it's a new day and age. These guys are much more secure. Uh, their parking lots are under the ground, but here's a good, another good use case, a player and executive parking lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they're just attractive places to, to break into. So that's, that's another application. But anyway, I didn't really worry about it back then. Now these guys, you know, when we went on a charter flight, we didn't even go through security. Now these guys, these guys go through airport certified security at the ballpark before they get on the bus to go to the airport. Mm -hmm. It's really cool. Actually, they put up uh, everything. And so, so it's completely different now. And that's why I think, again, why I think we, I'm going to talk to the Braves. Uh, interesting use case for the Braves is they have dispersed parking. Their, their lots, there, there are, there's 10,000 parking spots in the parking decks, you know, by the mm-hmm. stadium. But they also have leased or rented or bought, I don't know, space around in a 10-minute walk right. of dispersed parking lots. So this would be a great thing to offer your, your, your people that are using those dispersed parking lots. We're going to have a camera on there for you. You know, uh, or we're going to move some around and, and, and if, you know, if I was a fan, I'd be like, Hey, that's cool. It may not, you know, we don't promise a hundred percent everything, but, but we offer a high level of deterrence as well. Yeah. I, I could see that. It seems like a fascinating part of the industry to be in. And especially now with you yeah. uh, uh, traveling back there and, and having uh, all your connections there, I, I think you'd have a, yeah. a very interesting perspective on it all. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm having fun. They, they've said, Dale, go into the sports market, go into the entertainment market, you know, kind of a business development thing. So it's fun. I enjoy it. And, and, and sports, I appreciate it. Uh, I've been on your website and, and grateful for the uh, subscription I have. I get your emails and publications. Well, thank you for reading, Dale. I appreciate that. Yes. Well, I'm, I'm looking for business. And this, again, with the sporting industry and the very kinds of sports that are going on, we offer a real unique product that can help. And so I look forward to connecting and, and I mean, you can, you can bet this podcast is going on LinkedIn for me. I'll tell you that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that will be something. I know you've got quite a following there. So uh, we appreciate that. So, so it's a fun, fun business and you know, your industry that you're serving is, is great. There's nothing like it. Uh, we got some rumblings uh, within our company that we want to be the uh, the security camera for the uh, for the World Cup soccer when it comes to North America. So yep. we're we're it, working on that. It's coming, and that's obviously a, an event that we've got circled as well as as the destinations are finishing up their bids to to try and be a host. So we'll see Absolutely. where that one ends up as well. Never never a shortage of of sports events. Uh, yes. out there that's uh it's exciting stuff and 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 people can find you at live view technologies to learn more about that so dale i feel like i could talk with you for maybe another three hours or so but um, <laughs> but i won't do that for for your time even the uh the, the 40 minutes or so that we've had here oh, uh, i can't you. tell you what a what a thrill it's been for me um it's a, it's always great talking to people who you uh as i said at the outset kind of grew up admiring so um Thank you for for your time well, and, and willingness you. to share the time with us, and and uh, look forward to having you be part of our little spot of the sports event industry uh, <laughs> in the years to come. And even though I'm kind of rooting for the Mets a little bit, good luck to your Braves <laughs> as well. It's a it's a very competitive division, so it's you know oh. a, lot, a lot of great teams on that side. Yeah, this, this this first this three game sweep in Philly, I'm telling you, that could come back to bite you that last <laughs> week of the season. It's really unfortunate for the Braves. I'm not worried about them, yeah. but uh, 
that three oh you know going one and one and two on the road is but getting swept is is a tough pill to swallow so it's going to be a good division but hey jason i'd i'd love to come back on maybe what we'll do is we'll keep in touch and and if we come up with a use case i'd love to talk about it with something in the sports travel industry that something comes up I, i'd love to i'll let you know and we can talk about it see how it worked and see what we learned and i really appreciate the chance to to uh, come on and talk about baseball and and my real job. (laughs) (laughs) Love it. Of course, we'll take you up on that. Dale, it's been a pleasure. Thanks so much for being with us. Thank you so much, Jason. Appreciate it. This has been another edition of the Sports Travel Podcast. Thanks for listening, and be sure to subscribe to our podcast on all your favorite platforms, including iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. Past episodes are also available at sportstravelmagazine.com, which features regularly updated breaking news and in-depth features on stories related to the sports event industry. Be sure to visit us daily at sportstravelmagazine.com, at sportstravel on Twitter and Instagram, and at sportstravelmagazine on Facebook and LinkedIn. Until then, This is Jason Gewertz for Sports Travel, and thanks for listening.